Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. They call that hitting the post, Jackson. It was really well done. It's not teachable. You either have it or you don't, and I'm sorry, but I do, and it's exciting to be me. It's exciting for you to be listening to me. You're shaking your head over there like you're DJing at a club in Las Vegas, like we're a tryst. I really like this beat. And I we're mean... targeting bachelorette parties by getting a bottle service table. That's essentially what's going on here. We should just play music. Creve Core. <laughs> I think a lot of people might text in and say, I agree with you. <laughs> you can text in 65780, Air Comfort Service Tax Line. I want some mic drops today. Uh, Rhino Shield mic drops. People might not be happy with the Cardinals after last night. Here's where, here's where I am. I can live with that. Happens. It happens. It's unfortunate. You had some weird plays, but oh, at the same man. time, I mean, they got worked. I'm not saying, well, if they wouldn't have had weird plays, they would have won the game. It happens. It's Colorado. I have, throughout the Colorado Rockies' existence, dreaded the idea of a Cardinal team that was a good team, a legitimate World Series contender team, playing that team in that ballpark and having a 162-game season blown up by the clown show. I just hate that kind of baseball. I've hated it since they came into the league. And had the Cardinals won the other way, it's just, it's just to me, it's, it's like we go play Arena League baseball for a few games and it drives me up the wall. That's not why they lost. I'm just talking about more of a big picture on it. They have been playing good baseball, and it's not like I'm going, man, maybe they can't hang with the Rockies. Now, if that would have been in St. Louis in game one against the Yankees, I would have been, oh, boy, here we go. Right. This is a different set of circumstances. I'm not concerned. I'd be happy to tell you if I was. I'm not. If you are, that's fine. Maybe you can point some things out. I, and even Miles Michaelis, uh, who may have been due for a bit of a regression, if you are a daily fantasy sports nerd, uh, you might be aware of some of the numbers that would say he's uh, his number, his actual ERA and WHIP might be a little bit better than they should be based on the way the balls are being hit and at bats are going for him. Uh, it's a Colorado start, so I just don't get that worked up about it. Yeah. Yeah, you got 162 of these things. Eventually, you're going to just get housed, and that's what happened last night. All right, so you're not concerned. I thought you no, might come in here, no. and you're more concerned about the Nets and KD, I assume. Well, you're right. Like, the, Well, I am, but uh, you know, Arenado making a weird, couple weird plays. It just didn't feel right from the from the get-go. And Yeah, move on. All right, sounds like Paul DeYoung hitting a home run, is, is, as always. I mean, seeing him come alive again is a positive to take away from that game, surely. Are you enamored by my fantasy baseball knowledge that I picked him up off the waiver wire and he's just shipping? You are you. What you are, Tim, is someone who recognizes value, mm. and you recognize the value. Mm. His, uh, you know, from a, just a optic standpoint, you wouldn't think he would be someone you want to pick up, but you pick him up because he has value and it's paying off. Yeah, yeah. It's so. special. I'm working with a special guy over here. Oh my god. 
gosh, we'll use that for a promo. Uh, guys, it's the schedule maker's fault. Thanks. That's from the 314. Now we're getting somewhere. You effing morons. That game was unacceptable. That's from the 618. <laughs> well, I'm sure there's a mic drop just about that sitting here in this inbox. Uh, have a day, Gritchick. It sucks we lost, but I can always tip my cap to an ex-cardinal. That is from the 314. The, the good news on it is is that maybe the uh, number for the Cardinals winning the National League Central would have oh, dropped yeah. ah. from a wagering standpoint. I know I can't trust you to give me the accurate number in Las yeah. Vegas on that, but right. uh, the Brewers did win. The Cardinals lost, so the Cardinals are only one game up. And it doesn't uh, look like uh, the, we're going to have a 100-loss team in the National League Central. They're all just they're all sitting there with 44 wins, the Cubs, Reds, and Pirates. Yeah, on Friday they were all plus 100,000 to win the Central. Do you see any value on that by uh, chance? Yeah, you know, I obviously threw $100 on it. On so, each one? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, just in case. Yeah, just, you know, to diversify your portfolio. Let me take a look at here on the, on the Cardinals and winning the National League Central. If the, if the number moved, I mean, I would, I would imagine it moved. Yeah. That, that would, that would uh, My guess is minus 150. Uh, I don't know if I would say it moved. Oh, it's down to minus 135. Ooh. Might be the time. Oh, to, the um, player might have to be active today. I might have to as well. Wow. Listen, and I want to make this clear. It's not necessarily going, oh, my God, the Cardinals are the greatest team ever. It's looking at the landscape. Right. And I just don't really see the Brewers. And I know the Cardinals are only a game up, but I just don't really see the Brewers being able to hang with the Cardinals. But the Cardinals in another division, I'm not saying that thing. Uh, guys, I'd rather hear Boy moan about Mike McCarthy for another 30 minutes than hear him bootlick Tim's fantasy baseball knowledge. Another, for another 30 minutes. We talked about it for all of 45 seconds yesterday. Guys, what do you think about the Rockies needing to move? It's clown baseball. I don't see that happening. I wouldn't mind it just because it irritates me, but it it's something that we... Uh, yeah, it's something you deal with. Coors Field is on the short list of uh, ballparks I want to see. I've been there. It's, it's a, a wonderful good. ballpark. Yeah, it looks right. It's I was actually area. there for Albert Poole's first game in 2001. Wow. That was indeed. That's a nice little, that's some nice knowledge right there. It was indeed. I was I was in Denver in 2001 quite a bit because the Blues played the Avalanche in the uh, Western Conference Final. Yeah. Uh, lost in overtime, game five, Joe Sackick. How do you do? That'll wrap it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a month earlier, Albert Poole's first game in the major leagues. And if I'm not mistaken, he hit a home run? I know he had a hit. Yeah, it's a great ballpark, great location. Yeah, that's the big thing. Is the, that's what I was hopeful. What happened with Denver and Coors Field was what I was hopeful for happening in St. Louis with Bush Stadium. Mm-hmm. And now, with the benefit of hindsight, I don't think that is what is going to happen. Right. And by that, I mean residential development. Mm-hmm. I know there are, there is an apartment building, but I'm talking about residential sprouting up around the right. ballpark. I think that's what when I interviewed Jack Buck, uh, he talked about that, and that's. He wanted to see that same kind of thing, and I just don't think it's going to happen. And I, it, it, and this is coming from somebody who a decade later lived on Washington Avenue for a few years. So I lived downtown, albeit on the north end of downtown. But um, I just don't see it happening. And, and maybe it will, and I'll be wrong, and I, and I would love to be wrong on it, but I don't see it happening. And so now it's just kind of a ballpark in the middle of a place that a lot of people aren't really excited to travel to at the particular moment in right. history. Right. Yeah, I hear you. It's, like I said, definitely on the uh, short list of places I'd love to go see, along with uh, San Francisco, 
That's a great ballpark now. Oracle Park. Oracle that's Park. That's my the favorite one I've been to. Really? Yeah. yeah I hear yeah. people love Pittsburgh. I've not. I've never that's, been to the city of Pittsburgh. That's on the short list. I, I want. I want to sit behind home plate so I can see the rivers and the bridges out there. I think that's gonna. I think that's really cool. And Fenway. Never been to Fenway. I was yelled at during the World Series by the Fenway fans because they put because the, the press box is so small. The media press room was in right field behind Pesky's pole. Second straight day on the show where Pesky's pole has been mentioned. Yep. It's the right field foul pole at Fenway Park, and uh, they were furious. The boys were furious <laughs> that they had lost some of their seats during the World Series <laughs> to the media. Oh. And I was sitting next to Doug Vaughn, who I was working with at KMOV at the time, and uh, now have been working together for 15 years on TMA together. And uh, and we're like, boy, this is getting a little, like, should we get up and leave? Because I think <laughs> these guys might want to scrap. And it was, it was like, you know, a couple hundred media members during game one of the World Series. And we were done no uh, service when the boys from Southie <laughs> noticed that the gentleman sitting in front of me and Doug was not even watching the game but playing solitaire on his laptop. <laughs> and yeah. then it really got rowdy. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I can understand that. And with those Boston faithful, I'm sure that didn't go over well. <laughs> Guys, how about Jackson bragging about sitting behind home plate? Thanks. That's from the 636. I just I want – it doesn't have to be behind home plate, just essentially behind – like where the press box is for at Bush Stadium. It's behind home plate, but you're not directly behind it. Jackson, have you been anywhere? LOL. Pittsburgh. Beautiful. San Francisco. Biggest asshat fans anywhere. Jackasses. That's from Lisa. Lisa, kind of going edgy today. I like that. I've been. I've never been to Pittsburgh. I've been to San Francisco, and it's one of my favorite cities in America. Your thoughts on Jackson loving the city of San Francisco? 65780. Uh, that is how you can uh, text into this show. Tim, everybody loves Pittsburgh, and I found it to be pretty underwhelming. I think it's from the 314. Do, does everybody love Pittsburgh? I think maybe what the person was trying to say was PNC Park. Oh, I could be wrong. Maybe everybody loves Pittsburgh, and I didn't know it. And I'm like, oh, I gotta gotta put it on my docket. Right. I I think PNC from the pictures and watching Cardinal games there looks awesome. It looks kind of similar where they got the water behind it, kind of like uh, Oracle Park or Great American Ballpark, but it kind of has the bridge skyline. Seems interesting. You need to see Pittsburgh and you need to see San Diego, two great ones. I have been to San Diego's ballpark, but not when they were playing a game. So do you count that? Yeah. You do. Mm -hmm. The hotel I stayed at was like adjoining Petco. Okay. okay. Yeah, my parents I was there for the uh, Chargers fans town hall meeting. And I got to be honest with you, I found it to be rather unsincere. Insincere? No. Yeah. Yeah, that Eric Grubman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God almighty. He seemed like an upstanding gentleman. I mean, just a, just a rare moment where you're like, oh, wow, this guy is like, like an Ob like obviously just completely full of crap. Yeah, you didn't I'm surprised they chose him. Yeah. And you didn't need to be an expert poker player to pick up on the read real quickly right. either. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty obvious. Uh Tim, he's trying to emulate Stalter's success via repping Cali teams. Ha. That's from the six three six. Huh? I, I don't I don't understand the text. Um I don't rep any Cali teams really. Uh, this show is turning into little pills describing baseball stadiums. I'm down for that. Today on Balloon Party, Jackson will focus on the American League West ballparks. I, I was, and we start with Safeco, Jackson. I love, uh, I think it's now T-Mobile Park. Damn. And uh, I like the big retractable roof thing, and I hear they have great fries. Oh, is that right? Yeah, garlic now fries. Now all of a sudden you piqued my interest. Ah, garlic fries I'm selling. 
San Francisco really? has those two. That's not my bag. Oh, really? That's right on my alley. Hey, to each their own. Some people like some things, and then some people like yeah. other things. Next. And then some people get online behind dog avatars and then attack people who like other things. It's a whole thing. Yeah. That's what the things are. Next segment, we'll get into the Coliseum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've actually been to a game there. A baseball game? I have. I haven't been to a Raiders game, but I've been to an A's game at the Coliseum. I've seen pictures this year of their ballpark with the people in it when it has like 3,000 people in it. Quite a club they're fielding. I mean, it's seriously like you would have to like squint to see the people. It's embarrassing. Like it looks like during COVID when there was no people in the stands. That's what the Coliseum looks like. It's amazing. It sucks because they got great fans in Oakland. They've been they've been through the ringer these past 10 years. Uh, guys, can Jackson comment on the home of the Gateway Grizzlies in Sauge? That's from the 314. Yeah, people are kind of turning to you now for their stadium input. Definitely been to a game there, just not that I can remember. I was way too young. But I definitely, I think my brother. I assume you sat behind home plate again. But yeah, I think it's a first come first serve situation. But I think my brother might play the high school game there, so I definitely went to that. Yeah, that's all I can tell you about the gateway. Okay, Christmas I mean home. that's the perspective that this show gives as we do a tour of stadiums. Yeah. Here on Balloon Party, you're welcome to get involved on the show six five seven eight zero. You can also. Uh, get into the mic drops presented by Rhino Shield. Jackson with a provocative question here. And I, I'm going to read it because I want to set it up because I think I might be, I, I have the, I, what I believe is the answer to the question, the obvious answer to the question, I think, but maybe I'm missing one. I wasn't aware of this until you s- sent the article over. And that is that uh, friend of the show, John Talty. Mm-hmm. Um, who is a senior sports editor for AL.com. That's, uh, I guess, Birmingham's it's, paper. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, Talty is a, is a delight. And he has written a book, I believe, with Nick Saban, kind of like what Dave Matter did with Gary Pinkle, called The Leadership Secrets of Nick Saban. Now, if Saban was not involved, I'm going to have to call the credibility of the project into question considering the title. But I digress. Talty tells a story from uh, a player on the 2013 Roll Todd team that Missouri would have played had the kick six not happened. I kind of thought the kick six was uh, the, but I guess it's the flea kicker. When I read when you, I read your question yesterday, mm-hmm. I'm like, kick six made him cry. The Missouri-Nebraska game? Why was Saban even paying attention <laughs> to that? But the kick six is the mixed missed field goal that Auburn returned for a touchdown and then won the SEC West and then beat Missouri in the SEC championship game by running the exact same play. Like what I would do with my little brother on Madden. That's yeah. what that's what HB Gus on did against uh, Dave Steckles, Missouri defense. But uh, this this uh, I think it was Christian Jones, who was on the Alabama team, said uh, Saban was in the locker room crying, yeah. but that that, that play began a renaissance for Alabama football. Now, I got to be honest that I don't really see it that way. They were doing just fine pre-kick six. Right. Uh, but that is the focal point of the article. So here is how we localize this. In the new biography about Nick Saban, Saban talks about the kick six bringing him to tears and how it was a turning point for Alabama football. Explain from your experience covering sports for more than 20 years in St. Louis what the mindset is of a coach or player after they get knocked down. Do most players or coaches find that resiliency and use that down and out feeling as fuel? What are some of your favorite examples of this from a local side? And then what are some times where that gut punch was never recovered from either from a player, from a coach or from a team as a whole? I have what I believe as far as an individual goes. I have the answer. Sweet. But I'm curious if I might be missing one, and that is why I'm reading this in advance of the break to allow you to text in your thoughts on this. 65780, because I'm the one that I think is obvious 
might I might be missing. Maybe there's somebody who I'm missing. So six five seven eight zero who uh, either picked themselves up from it or who never recovered from the gut punch. We'll talk about that next here on Balloon Party One Hundred and One East. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We got going on here? I've never heard this one, I don't think. Yeah, it's a new jam. Oh, this is from your remix album? Yeah, yeah. I like your remix album. I sampled uh, somebody. Oh, that was so well delivered. It's Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Here's the question, and we are getting a bunch of answers. I've got my answer. I'm not looking at the t- I see that they're coming in, but I'm not looking at them. So I want my answer to be yeah, totally organic, organic, and then we'll see. Maybe the people will either agree with me or correct me. Now, here is uh, we're setting the stage for this. In the new biography about Nick Saban, Saban talks about the kick six game bringing him to tears and how it was a turning point for Alabama football. That was the game in which Alabama, I think, attempted a 58-yard field goal came up short and it was returned for a touchdown and uh, Auburn won the game and the SEC West in that Iron Bowl and then went on to play Missouri in the SEC championship game nearly a decade ago. F's me up. Uh, Explain from your experience covering sports in St. Louis for more than two decades what the mindset is of a coach or player after they get knocked down. Do most players or coaches find that resiliency and use that down and out feeling as fuel? What are some of your favorite examples of this from the local side and then what are some times where that gut punch was never recovered from either for a player or for a team as a whole jackson before i reveal what i believe is the correct answer now i have not looked in the uh air comfort service text line yet maybe i will be like how did i miss that one but in my mind i have the answer do you have an answer when i was writing this question last night i was i was asking from a pure curious standpoint because I truly don't have like a good answer for it because I feel like since I've been a sports fan 2006 you say 82 was your first year of really knowing about sports 06 was mine if there was a gut punch from like a coaching standpoint they would be fired before you could see like the long-term results of that gut punch um perhaps in 2022 that would be the case my answer goes back to a different time yeah see that's and the gut punch took place in the biggest game in the world and I suppose one of the most famous games in in its history and that was Super Bowl 36. I don't think Mike Martz ever recovered from Super Bowl 36 and that's my answer. Mm-hmm. And I would tell you now I know some people I, I would imagine if Randy Carricker were here he would uh, I, I don't know I don't know what his position on this would be. We need to do a podcast Randy and I although it might well, you might wind up not being able to urinate for like four days because we might just go for four days. I, I could see that happening. But uh, the my belief is, had the Rams won that game, their trajectory in St. Louis changes, and I think there is a chance, I'm not saying they would be, they're still in St. Louis, because mm. I think it is a sliding doors moment. Ah. The camera, the way that that went down, um, of course they were, I, I recall you know, covering the game for KMOV, I, find, I see Chris Mortensen of ESPN outside of a hotel, and he's kind enough to do a quick interview with me. And he goes, yeah, tomorrow, and this was on Saturday before the game. He said, yeah, tomorrow night we're going to see the start of a dynasty. Mm. And he was right. Wow. It's just not the one that he was thinking or anybody else watching. And the Rams oh. are about two touchdown favorites. And I, I just remember hating that experience, that game. You're, you're grateful to be at a Super Bowl in general, whether you're working or you're there as a fan. And I was lucky enough to be working. 
but it was it was five months after September 11th. There were rocket launchers and barbed wire around the Superdome. For those of you who are there, I would imagine you can still picture that. It was surreal to see that walking to the Superdome like three hours before the game because you had to go through security. And there was a real fear that something could happen. And so for real, there were truly rocket launchers positioned around the Superdome in barbed wire. Oh, my God. Um, and then, you know, so, but then you're, when you're covering the game, you have to go down because it was super early. So I didn't even see the Prol touchdown um, just for the to, to position to, uh-huh. to be ready to go. And, and, and for a lot of people covering it, I don't think they're really, we're covering that as a St. Louis station. I think for some people, it's like, I want to be there. So I'm going to get a credential and I can get a credential and this will be a way to tell people I went to the Super Bowl, right. I guess. And that's just not my whole song and dance. So I'm emotionally involved in it i'm standing there crowded into you know i would imagine a few hundred media people under the stands in the superdome under the concourse and sort of watching vinatieri kick that ball you know and and the media starts cheering which was bizarre (laughs) but i guess people are pulling for the patriots whatever um and the camera shot after the ball goes through the uprights, and Mike Compton of the Patriots, uh, doing snow angels in the end zone in the confetti, captures Mike Martz lifting up that rope yeah. that was to barricade people out from getting to the middle of the field where he and Belichick would go shake hands. Uh-huh. And I thought, even though it's a it's it's maybe a two second shot of video that at that moment, if you had to pick, if I were doing a 30 for 30 on the Rams and St. Louis and the eventual exit, that would be my edit point for right where like the music stops and now we get into all the BS that was going to happen over the next 14 years. And to me, culminating with the asinine, we slayed the dragon comment and that would probably be the end of it. Because that to me was the beginning. He never overcame that. He lifts up that rope in such frustration. Whereas Saban, talking about the kick six, the reason why that stands out for people reading it is that, man, when when that happened, you knew he's eating up inside, but he was stoic walking across the field to shake Gus Malzahn's hand. Yeah. Now, however things go down in the locker room, we understand that can be different. But Martz was not containing it. He lifts up his, you know, that rope, and he's understandably devastated, and but so frustrated because one of the biggest favorites in the history of the Super Bowl just lost and lost in literally the final seconds of the game. And the franchise in St. Louis never recovered from that moment. And specifically, Mike Martz never recovered from that moment. Something that is forgotten about the St. Louis Rams in 2001 is not how good the team was between September and then leading up to the Super Bowl in February. They had three first-round picks in April of 2001, that that team that was this machine had three first-round picks. If you were the Jacksonville Jaguars right now and you had three first-round yeah. picks, you'd go, my God, that could really change that franchise. The Rams had three first-round picks, and yet those picks, they were fine But uh, for as far as players in the NFL, but they, they didn't live up to what sure. you won out of a first-round pick, especially when you're talking about three for Damian Lewis, Ryan Pickett, and Adam Archuleta. And 2002 starts up, and I think the thought process is this team is going to be on a mission to correct what took place in New Orleans at Super Bowl 36. And instead, if I'm not mistaken, I was at the game in Denver to open the season. They lost that. No, they scored hardly any points. Didn't even look like the same. It looked like, like the Dick Vermeil first year St. Louis Rams with Tony Banks. Uh, it, it wound up being, uh, I think, an 0-6 start. 
They beat the Raiders, who wound up winning the AFC and losing to the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl. But they never recovered. And I would my example of how Mike Martz's mindset changed, if you would have told the 2001 Mike Martz that the 2003 Mike Martz in a playoff game at home with a team that is like a fighter wobbling with 20 seconds left in the round, and he would have gone, ah, we're going to sit on the football. He sat on the football at the end. We talked about this yesterday for whatever reason against the Carolina Panthers, and they went to overtime as opposed to going up there and going for the jugular and winning it. And they kicked a field goal to go to overtime. And I remember talking to Kyle Turley, and I know he and Martz got sideways, and this was before they got sideways. And I remember talking to him a lot, and they're just like, yeah, I couldn't believe that he was sitting on the football. And I remember, God, I, I Torrey Holt might have been on the sidelines for some reasons, if, if you wouldn't torture yourself and watch this game. And I think you can. They, the camera caught him arguing with Martz to go, what are you doing? we got to finish this here. Yeah. My point in bringing it up is that that took place in, in, in New Orleans in February of 2002 impacted what took place with the way I think he coached that game in January of 2004. And that was, it just ruined him. It just ruined him. The aggression that led to the success, the reckless abandon that led to his success is the ultimate gambler. I'm going to burn timeouts. I'm not going to use timeouts. We're going to take a delay a game. I don't care. We're going to score. Yibbit, 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 yibbit. It just, it was a totally different thing. He became paranoid. You had fractures in the, the front office with Jay Zickman and Charlie Army. Uh, there were like factions out there, and it spiraled and spiraled until this glamorous start. And even though they didn't win the Super Bowl in 2000, they still had a ridiculous offense. Then they win the NFC in 2001, and they never got back to that level after Vinatieri's kick. So that's my answer. And I have not looked at the text line to see if people agree, and I'm missing, but I'm, I'm, my, my tangent is now concluded. Jackson, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I saw right when we asked the question, I think the first text in was the Super Bowl. Mike Martz was the first one we saw. Oh, was that right? First one I saw, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that before my time, but my father would tell me stories of Mike Martz and that it was, it was a lot different when they won the Super Bowl to when they lost it, and what happened afterwards was just a down slider of nonsense that happened after it so i totally get that and as a huge rams fan uh, when they were in st louis but you were more in the drew bennett era uh yeah uh, it was sam bradford it was uh it was the first i remember and uh it, it makes me wish to those days when i could complain uh, i miss complaining about the rams so yeah that's uh it's crazy, those sliding doors moments. That now, this happen. is interesting. We're speaking of the sliding doors, Jackson. Randy has mentioned multiple times, the Rams win and they don't leave. All right, that's interesting. I thought Randy might disagree with me on that one. And yeah. I'm, again, I want to make it clear. I'm not saying that cut and dried. Sure. It just changes the trajectory of the franchise. Yeah. Because even though this would seem like not even possible, you can look it up, because I, I did. D Dan Deerdorf is quoted in the Post-Dispatch in 2007, I believe. Now, Georgia Frontier is still the owner of the right, franchise. Right, right. Stan Crockey's a minority shareholder. And he was saying, if St. Louis doesn't get its act together, they're going to be at risk of losing the team. And right. it was talking about the CVC. Yeah. Because there were clauses in there to make sure that that building, which had no chance, that building was outdated from the moment they opened against the Carolina Panthers in 95. Uh, it just was garbage. You know, whatever. Take it for what it's worth. If you've been to 10 FL stadiums and you think the Dome is one of the top buildings, God bless. I would love to have that conversation with you. It was bad. It got loud, but it was a garbage stadium. Right. Uh, it might have been a garbage stadium in the 80s, much less the <laughs> 2000s. 
uh, that that St. Louis is going to have to get its act together. And my belief would have been if the Rams had won that, they may have then carried it over into coming seasons and become what the Patriots actually wound up becoming. And, and they would have been synonymous with the city of St. Louis as opposed to what wound up happening. And uh, and what wound up happening was that was the high point. That was literally the high point. The high yeah. point was probably the week before or two weeks before when they beat the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFC Championship. Yeah. Because if memory serves, that was the second-to-last playoff game they won. They won a game against the Seahawks in Seattle when they were 8-8 eight and eight in 2004. I yeah, because I was in Atlanta when they got worked over by Michael Vick and the Falcons in February of 05, or January of 05. And that was it. Yep. That was it. Yeah, yeah, never, never, never again. And, and 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 honestly, minus that 2010 year, Bradford's rookie year, mm-hmm. it was never really close again. I mean, that's how precipitous the drop off was. And Mike Martz never recovered. Yeah. I will take a look at the answers from uh, the people on the other side of the break. You're listening to Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101. ESPN. Yes. All right, got a bunch of answers to the question. The question being uh, the gut punch. Who recovered, who didn't recover, and who is the best local example? I cited Mike Martz. As far as a team goes, got a couple here that have been sent in. 85 Cardinals after game six. They got shipped in game seven. And uh, this uh, person wrote in, I have two examples of a team that could not recover from the gut punch. First example is the Cardinal team that lost game six to the Royals on a blown call at first base. Whitey Herzog said afterwards that when he was in the locker room before game seven, he knew that they had not recovered as a team and were going to lose. The second example is the 1990 is 1990 Mizzou team that lost in the fifth down to eventual national champion Colorado. Had Mizzou beaten them, Colorado would not have won the national title, and it seemed like the team floundered during the season after that. Honestly, I mean, of course, I remember the fifth down, but I don't know of what the expectations were for Missouri uh, in 1991 relative to that. Now, the 86 Cardinals didn't do anything, but the 87 Cardinals did. But as far as a short-term gut punch not being able to come back, that certainly would make, that would make sense. And, and I, would, I would apply that to the other way, the way that it worked for the Rangers in 2011. That they weren't recovering from that. Right. To their credit, though, they jumped out to a lead in Game 7, but the Cardinals just, that wasn't coming back. A few people sent in Brad Lidge, but Brad Lidge did come back, albeit not that year, but Brad Lidge did come back with the Phillies and yeah. was, was quite effective. Yeah. Uh, a, an example of resilience, a few people sent this one in. Rick Ankiel. To me, that's one of the greatest of all time. Yeah. St. Louis or otherwise, it doesn't matter. What he did... You know, we talked about Matt Carpenter and going back down to the minors, you know, when he didn't need to, having made $100 million and being 36 years old. And I tip my cap. But Rick Ankiel, trying for a number of years to get back on the mound and it just not working out, whether because of the mental health elements of the pitching and throwing the ball over the place or what eventually became arm issues. Uh, and then not just shutting it down. God, and it would have been so understandable had he done that. And then to grind, I mean, nearly, for real, seven years from the moment that he first threw a ball over Carlos Hernandez's head 
in game one of the 2000 NLDS in which he was starting against Greg Maddox. August of 2007 is when he comes back and hits that home run. That's seven years, and you're used to the major league lifestyle. You're used to the expectations coming up because he made his debut at 19. And now, now you're approaching 30, and now you're riding buses in the minor leagues. Yeah. And trying to catch back on as a hitter, and he was able to do it for a number of years. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's a, it truly is a movie. Uh, Tim, I think Gary Pinkle, uh, the death of Aaron O'Neill was a to- turning point for Pinkle, and I would agree with that. And in Pinkle's book, he talks about that. Now, it's a, obviously you know much larger issue when you're talking about someone passing, especially a young man, and Aaron O'Neill. But that occurred, and it changed Gary Pinkle. And I, I do believe Pinkle has attributed that moment of reckoning to him becoming a different coach and that playing a role in the 2007 team's success. Uh, let's see what else we have here, Jackson. Uh, Larry Smith, flea kicker. Yeah, that, that, that that's the 97 Nebraska game and the, the former Missouri head coach, the, the late Larry Smith. They were really good in 1998, though. The, the Nebraska kick came in 97, and that Missouri team in 98. And my goodness, if there's 10 people who even know that that team, which had to play at Ohio State, uh, which I think was number one in the country at the time, at Nebraska, at home against number one Kansas State, at top 10 Texas A&M, and uh, against Mark Bolger and West Virginia in their bowl game, all of those teams, and they led every single one of those at the half. That's how good that Missouri team was. Certainly one of the most forgotten great Missouri teams because their record didn't wind up being incredible. Uh, but that was a time when you weren't piling up wins against Louisiana Tech and Abilene Christian and then bragging about going to a bowl. You actually earned going to a postseason game then. Yeah. What do you got? It's non-local, uh, but certainly someone being resilient and coming back from a gut punch. And as you can imagine, it's in hoops, but college hoops. Uh, I mean, UVA loses to 16 seed, the number one seed, their first number one seed to lose to a 16 seed. They come back the next year and win it all. And yeah. that's Tony Bennett, who's one of the best college coaches out there, uh, to come to you know show the he was so great after losing to the 16 seed. Is they they played better than us. I mean he didn't he wasn't sad about it. he's just very magnanimous. And then he comes back the next season, similar team, and they get that for those kids. Like that's I think that's incredible. Uh, from the hand pass to Stanley Cup, the yeah, 2019 really blue. One. That's a nice play. Yeah. Sharon and Glencoe, tip of the cap. Right, because that can really tilt you like crazy 100%. that's what i thought in the moment now in the moment and i and when i say in the moment i'm talking about literally in the moment after who was it carlson scored if i'm not mistaken i mean he got credit for it and then you see those three guys thornton burns and carlson sitting there smugly yep. talking about it and i'm like my god this is going to be what destroys the blues and it's just going to like throw another log in the fire it doesn't get as much attention as the cubs but the Blues are the Cubs of the NHL, and here we go. Here's the, the hand pass will now live in infamy. And then they go to Craig Berube and Alex Petrangelo and a bunch of the Blues, and the way they handled it, that told me. And I remember saying it on the radio the next day. I said, they're going to win game four, mm-hmm. and they might just beat the hell out of these guys in game four. <laughs> and they not only beat them score-wise, they physically destroyed them to the point that I feel like half the San Jose roster didn't come to St. Louis for game six, and you're just like, this thing's over, man. That was that was a response, and to me, Craig Berube deserves so much credit for framing that in his players' minds immediately 
that this is not going to be the reason our season comes to an end. Yeah. We're a better hockey team. Let these guys laugh about the hand pass. We're not playing handball out there. We're going to come out and we're going to respond, and they absolutely did. No surprise. That's a great observation, 100%. Uh, good call on that. Hey, uh, we have uh, somewhat of I mean, I don't know if we call breaking news, but we have something that I know you want to hear coming up on the other side of the break from a former Cardinal. We'll have that next here on our final segment of Bloom Party 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. Final segment of Balloon Party here on 101 ESPN. My name is Tim McKernan. Action Jackson alongside BK and Ferrario at the top of the hour. Just tweeted out here within the last hour. Former Cardinal Harrison Bader, who has had to cut his hair because he's a member of the New York Yankees and they do not allow long hair, nor do they allow beards, hence Matt Carpenter's mustache. Uh, he sent a message to the fans of St. Louis here within the hour, recorded a video. Here it is via the Players' Tribune. A little different. <laughs> yeah, I look a little different. Bader racing to third. He's going to score inside the park home run. You notice the sound. You feel the noise. Your jersey vibrates. That's the easiest way I could describe it. Being a Cardinal in St. Louis is just special. I just want to make sure all the fans understand how much I enjoyed playing in front of you guys every single second. The passion involved with it all was was for you guys. When I first showed up in St. Louis, I had no idea what to expect. The first thing Yadi told me was like, hey, like we're all equals. We game plan together, we do this together, we win together, we lose together. You're trained, especially from a younger age, to just be so about yourself. But now it's like, okay, I gotta be on a team because that's how we win. It's no longer about Harrison Bader. You know, it's about the St. Louis Cardinals. What a way to start the game. I didn't want to be a type of player where I only get cheers for one part of my game. And the one thing I've, I've always noticed is, is all the fans cheered just as loudly for a home run as they did an infield single. All parts of my game were constantly cheered for, which I just, I could not thank you guys more. You know, I want to be happy about the journey, you know, not that it's ending, that it happened, you know, that's the whole point. So like, I, you know, it doesn't need to be all serious. I think as, as unrecognizable initially as I might be with cut hair, you know, like I always want people to remember like, you know, like this smile. And the, the, the origin of this smile for, for me in St. Louis was, you know, it wasn't the diving catches or the uh, home runs or winning runs, whatever it was. It, the smile was the reaction to the fans cheering that that just happened on the field. Just the one last time I can finally say, and I've never said this before because it hasn't happened, but you know, just just thank you to St. Louis for six seasons in the big leagues. Just thank you. There it is, Harrison Bader with a message to the fans of St. Louis before he begins his career with the Yankees. He just posted that via the Players' Tribune. Yeah, Jackson, your reaction? Yeah, I mean, he's he seemed like just a good guy and. You know, for his inconsistencies as a play, he was a fantastic fielder, excellent base runner, and from all accounts, just a good guy. Good a, guy, good entertaining team. cat. Yeah, and a good amusing teammate. cat. Yeah, and I'm and I'm I'm happy for him that he's going to, 
you know, he's from New York. I'm happy that he's going to go home and play for the Yankees. I mean, it, it's not crazy to say, like, you're happy for someone who's going to play for the New York Yankees. It's pretty awesome. And, uh, yeah, he, he was nothing but great when uh, as a person when he was in St. Louis. So I think that's a wonderful message. I love those Player Tribune things that uh, Colton Wong had one a uh, year or two ago, and that was great. So God bless. Uh, positive reviews in the Air Comfort Service text line. That was effing cool from Bader from the 618. I love him with a sad emoji from the 636. The king is dead. Long live the king from the 573. Uh, I'm going to miss that kid. It was so fun watching him play. However, very happy for him. I imagine this is a dream come true for him. That's from the 618. Shoot, I'm crying. OMG, all the best, Bader. All the very best. That's from Lisa, friend of the feather here on uh, Balloon Party. Uh, and uh, that video made me like and miss Bader more. That is from the 636. Yeah, I would imagine the enthusiasm and energy that the Cardinal fans uh, gave him fueled with his style of play, which was definitely. defense and base running. You yeah, know? Definitely. I had to love that. Right, and I, yeah, you could tell he's like one of those guys where you like you know they're having fun playing the game, and that's something that is uh, you can't take for granted. You know, it's a game, it's a kid's game, and so. I like how he always felt like he was having fun out there. Uh, This was a good observation. I forgot this because it was about a minute into it, and the thing lasted a couple minutes. But uh, I like the comment that Yadier Molina made to him when he came to the team. That's from the 314. Yeah, team mentality first. Yeah. That's, yeah. And, and, yeah, he's the leader. Uh, And I like this text that Jeremy Rutherford sent us uh, listening to the program. And he's on a staycation, JR is. Is he? He is on a staycation. I saw him Although he was in, he was in here yesterday. Yeah, I saw him. Um, Larry Robinson could not believe how well Craig Berube handled the hand pass. Not Glenn Big Dog Robinson Jackson, Larry Robinson. That's from Jeremy Rutherford, and you were included on the text. I don't know if you've seen. No, it, I see it. Yeah, or if yeah. you're busy looking at Warriors highlights over there. No, I know what those look like. Uh, yeah, I mean that is the definition of resilient, like coming back from a gun punch, gut punch, knowing that you. But to handle it in the moment, like right? He handled and that's what's, what's so that's rare. That's the thing, right? That is the thing. Right. And a guy who's that fiery, yeah, that is, that is gangster. Like if you gave to him, be able to, oh, you know, he's furious for sure. And I, w- I wonder if they would have known or felt that the Sharks were the better team if he would have handled it differently. But I think he knew that they were the better team. Yeah, like and that that's has- why we're not going to lose this yeah. because we're going to commit self-inflicted wounds after a bad call we still can win three of the next four and win this series. So we're just going to deal with it, and here's how we're going to handle it. We're not going to talk about it. We're not going to blame it on this. This is how we're going to address it. And it set the mindset immediately after that game. It really was a stroke of brilliance from the Blues head coach. All right, uh, BK and Ferrario are up next. Thank you to everybody who participated in the show today. If you missed anything, you can podcast Balloon Party, Dobbs, Tyron Auto Center's podcast for Action Jackson. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes. From running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.